0: This is David DelVal, and I'm here in the studio today with Courtney Joyner and our special guest, Eric Roberts. Welcome, guys. I hope you're ready to talk about the jewel in Canon Films' crown, which is Runaway Train, with Oscar nominations and all kinds of critical laurels. This was Menachem Golan's golden film as as he remembered is that uh, what are your memories of menachem and yoram and canon films during this
1: well here here here's my first memory we, we arrived in montana to shoot this movie and uh... montana thawed that year early so we sat around for about a week and we watched all the ice go away and then Menachem called a meeting with all of us, and we all show up. And Menachem says, you know, the movie takes place in Alaska. We're going to shoot in Alaska. <laughs> and so he said, pack it up. <laughs> and so we packed it up, and we, and, we, and we took another week. We only got about 12 days behind on our start date with all the moving. We got about, we got about 12 days behind. And then we, we actually caught up because when, uh, when John and I were working, We'd always get way ahead because John and I are both fast and very prepared, and uh, so we 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 actually caught that twelve days up. Uh, wow, we, that's
2: that's we, impressive. We recaptured that twelve days. Yeah, we did. We're we're making a movie. <laughs> Eric, how long were you guys actually in Alaska versus when the company moved to the Pan Pacific and the recreation of the train and all of that? Well,
1: uh, we were there. I think a total of not quite five weeks and uh we were on the pan pacific lot when there was a lot there for the better part of eight weeks
2: and here and of course we just had a rather significant uh screenwriting credit uh of course this was based on a screenplay by akira kurosawa
0: but kurosawa's screenplay opens with them getting on the train so the americanization of this script Begins with starting at, you know, ground zero with John Voigt's character being welded into his cell and all the background on just how tough he was. Uh, what was John's process in getting ready for this? Because I know this was an alteration of not only his body and his face and his accent. I don't
1: have an answer for his. Process, but I can tell you this he did not alter his body. He weighed less than I weigh now. He weighed about 160 pounds. He is almost six foot two inches tall. He was a bean pole. That's a bodysuit on him. Wow. From his neck to his ankles, he's in a bodysuit that makes him look like he weighs about 260 pounds. He weighs 100 pounds less than that. And uh, uh, yeah. J- and John, John, John's a real actor. I mean, John, John was a hundred and sixty-pound Nick playing a two hundred and fifty-pound killer. That man right there, I'm talking to, right there, about to turn his head towards me. That's Eddie Bunker. He did the rewrite on Runaway Train. When I first got Runaway Train written by a Kurosawa, it was three hundred pages long. Eddie Bunker got it down to ninety-eight pages. And, and In of course, fact, that's not Eddie Bunker. I misspoke. That's a. But from the pro, from the profile, I thought it was going to be, but Eddie Bunker makes his his entrance. He walks up to the cell door
2: and he's bald. I think he's shaving his head actually. And we'll see. Well, in fact, uh, Eric wasn't Danny Trejo your boxing uh, coach on we this, gave, wasn't he? No, we gave Danny Ho
1: a movie career. He was he was the actor that I boxed. He was not my oh, boxing okay. coach. Uh, 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 but here's how, here's how, and there's there's a great John, oh, Ryan, John Ryan. John Ryan, what Ryan. a great guy What he a was. great human being, and what a great actor. Anyway, Eddie Bunker comes to me, and he goes, I did time with this guy in Folsom named Danny Trejo. I want you to pick him as your boxing opponent. I said, okay, what does he look like? He's a Mexican with a tattoo. I said, okay, cool. They line up 16 Mexicans with tattoos, <laughs> and they say, pick a boxing opponent. I didn't say, can you wait a second? I go to Eddie Bunker and I say, Eddie, that all Mexicans they all have tattoos. He goes, Well, this has got a big tattoo of a boy in a sombrero on his chest. So I go back out and I recognize the tattoo and I say that guy right there. He comes out and now it's standing trail and we gave him a career and now there's and and now there's Trejo's tacos. Who knew? Yes, absolutely, <laughs> that's right. There yeah. sure is. Yeah, Danny's a great guy. Now this right here is Eddie Bunker, I believe. Right there. Yep.
0: There you go. There's Eddie Yeah,
2: good, man. I'll see you in And of course, Eddie not only uh bringing the script down, but of course, uh his great autobiographical novel, No Beast So Fierce, turned into straight time with Dustin Hoffman.
1: That's right. and uh in fact it was that it was that movie, that screenplay, that that chance that actually got him out of prison uh uh he was he was he was about to uh to uh to go out for parole and they gave him parole based on the fact that he had a job how about and, that uh, yeah so uh that uh, that movie kind of rescued him and uh they gave him a career and uh that's why he's brought in for a runaway train is because of straight time <laughs>
0: Eric, what was Andre There's like? There's Danny Trejo uh, right there. There, oh, there. there he is. He he is. right in the window. What was Andre like as a director for this, as, 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 since this was pretty much his baby?
1: Hard to verbally understand. Uh, he had been speaking English for about five seconds. <laughs> so he was really tough to understand. But he was a lot of fun. And he, and, he, and he gave us a lot of freedom. Like, my guy was supposed to be kind of a tough thug. Yeah. And I said, but he's in for statutory rape. If he's a tough thug that's kind of that's kind of unappealing i said i would like to uh, to make him white trash and young so it's not really it's a mistake as opposed to a crime so they said okay and andre let me do that so uh so I went from a playing guy like this to, you know, playing a guy like this. It's just, way well, you know, I made a
0: boo-boo. Oh, well, you know, you know, you know, stuff happens. What am I going to do about it? Oh, well. Well, your character in this, you only had a couple of months, maybe three months, and they were going to let you out. But yet you go on this journey with him because you're so entranced with his legend. I guess the legend that he had created in jail being this, uh, this just larger than life guy.
2: Yeah. Well, and also too, it's a wonderful contrast to what John Voigt does because you're a young hustler. You're just trying to get get your way around, and you want to get back out of prison, and you want to party.
1: Okay, now look at John in that in that sweatshirt. All those shoulders, all that stuff. It's not John. That's all a bodysuit. That his, is amazing. His biceps. You see how they're really big there. That's all bodysuit. He weighs. He he weighed about. Now I weighed about one. 50 when did this film. I was about the weight of a welterweight, and he weighed about 10 to 15 pounds more than I did.
0: And I was skinny, and he's a lot taller than I am. But he is using a rather elaborate makeup with the eye makeup, and he has teeth over his
2: real teeth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That kind of Fu Manchu mustache and, and everything. No, yeah, it's, uh, it's wonderful, and this was also such a contrast to Coming Home and the things that he had done very recently right before this, and uh, such a wonderful character part. i uh, got John Ryan, and uh, I did a movie with John, and what a terrific guy he was. What a great was.
1: human being. I love that man. He was he was great.
0: Look at John's uh, face.
1: I'll do what I have to do. Whatever happens, happens.
0: <laughs> ah, well, yeah. he's he's totally uh, he's
2: totally awesome in this picture he yeah. well, really it, is and so it, is john ryan so is john ryan well it really is just it's the battle of the wills between these two characters yeah and that well, it uh, becomes that doesn't yes, it? yes it does absolutely because. it does who's tougher and um and john was uh john ryan was the was the real McCoy. Courtney and I were trying to think of another film on a train
0: that was as intense and brutal as this and the only thing that came to mind over breakfast was we put it up with Twilight Time as well as The Emperor of the North ah, with good Ernest Bort- yeah, Bortline right. and Lynn yes, Marvin. That's a good That's a good one. that's a, good one. That's a pretty tough movie that's too. That's a good one. Yeah. God, I wouldn't have thought of that. That's a great one. Robert Aldrich.
1: Did
2: you ever get to meet him?
1: No, I didn't. No, I didn't.
2: Well, I think too, David, we, we had brought up that uh, the the structure of this piece, as you said, since the Kurosawa screenplay, the, the 300 page script, actually is so train bound that this really is going from, as you said, one prison to another, that you escape from this facility and you end up as prisoners on the train itself. Okay, FYI,
1: all that snow are plastic flakes. Really? That snow is plastic flakes. That is not snow.
2: Now Eric where're now the uh penitentiary itself was this this was in Alaska, was it not?
1: Yeah, it was a real penitentiary that was shut down. Did you, you movie shoot movie? anything in montana no we we tried to for one day, and there just was not enough snow, Couldn't make it without the money. not they enough snow, so we back. hung out for almost a week and then went to um Anchorage, Alaska where we stayed at a ski resort that was
2: fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And, well, making this, and as David said, the the crown jewel of the Canton catalog, and did you have a sense, really, that this was quite a bit different than the other movies the company had traditionally made, and that this was really an elevation for them?
1: Well, I gotta tell you, uh, when John and I got nominated, here's Danny, that's, oh you're that's, right that's, Harry. That's Harry. i didn't you you right. know
0: i've watched this twice and didn't re- didn't recognize him absolutely
1: yeah it's very much on the right and that's me in the red shorts that sure is Whoop. Here i go down boy is i skinny huh. These, these How long did uh, did it take to shoot these boxing sequences? Uh, we shot this over over a period of about four days, because a lot of crowd stuff, a lot of stuff to be shot. It's not just a boxing match. There's Eddie with his bald head, and I supposedly knocked Danny Trejo
2: out, which would never happen in reality. Okay. <laughs> Well, the choreography of this fight too is very realistic because it's abrupt and it doesn't have that kind of what they normally do in films where everything is kind of elongated and uh, turned into more of a dance this this it feels like a real boxing match it feels that brutal and
1: that swift it does that 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 we can we can thank our uh our wonderful DP. What was his name? He did a lot of the James Bond Alan films. Alan Hume. Alan Hume. Thank you. And also his uh, his uh, crew were uh, one one of the crew was his son, and uh, uh, and they they all knew each other really well. and They all worked 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 together really well. All these Englishmen, and uh, I'm just I'm just pummeling Danny Trejo, aren't I? Yes, you are. And there's Danny's tattoo. With the big tattoo with the boy with the sombrero on his chest. Yep.
0: Yeah. I uh, I found the old uh, production notes from Canon for this, and John Voight is saying that he took a quote from Oscar Wilde, Foul weeds grow best in prison air. Only what is damaged and sick in a man will bear fruit in prison. And that was kind of his mantra when he was preparing for well, this. Well, that's a little profound for my taste, but,
1: you know, and you know, I forgot to tell you guys is... Uh, uh, we were so shocked at our nominations that we got together and we said do you think it's possible that they bought these nominations? Because <laughs> Canon Films was a joke. I mean a ha-ha joke. Like Canon Films? Ah! And so when we got the nominations we are like how how, how do we get these in a Canon Film? And I am, I am very proud of my work in this movie. John is also very proud of his work. The editor who I think was with third nomination yeah. was also part of his work. I mean, we're all, we're all good, but but it's a canon movie. How'd mm-hmm. this happen? We, um, from that and also you're not supposed to, if you have nothing good to say, you're not supposed to speak. But I'm going to say this anyway. Um, Slumdog Millionaire won best picture a few years later. And I always wondered how that happened. And then I remembered, you know, these nominations, I'm not sure that they
0: weren't bought. Well, it's funny you say that because in the Los Angeles Times of January of 1986 in in uh, this article there is a whole thing here where Menachem Golan, the president of Canon estimates that he spent $150,000 on trade paper ads, another $30,000. Now, remember, this is 1986. Another $30,000 on a series of screening for Academy members. He finally reached a point where he started calling people up and saying, you want to see Runaway Train? I'll give you a copy yeah. of it right <laughs>
1: now. And then he said, yeah,
0: he said right here, he said, you know— uh, Golan is also a voter. He said, well, did I vote for Canada? Of course I did, but he said there's a large block of publicists with voting rights and Oscars and publicity being functions of each other. Some voting publicists are on studio payrolls, so when you ask me if the Academy Awards are bought, he said, perhaps. Okay, then I rest my case. There you are. Uh, but, but but
1: just because just it was a Canon movie and we got three Academy Award nominations, all three jobs were beautifully executed, but it was a canon movie. So
0: there would so always there was be backlash. that prejudice yes. against yes. even considering Well, I, I did this documentary on Canon called Electric Boogaloo for this uh, wonderful director, Mark Hartley, in Australia. And all of the interviews, he got practically everyone except Chuck Norris to talk about their experiences at Canon. And all of them felt like that... While the two Israeli boy, the Go-Go Boys, loved movies, they really weren't interested in the process of making a movie. They wanted them packaged and ready to go. Mm-hmm. And they only got... When this came along, it surprised them as well. But I always believed that the Academy Award should have been yours for Star 80 because Bob Fosse gave you a piece of direction, which I've never forgotten when I read it in one of these interviews. He asked you what your character was like, and he looked at you very deeply and said... Eric, it's th- your character is me if I weren't successful. There you go. And That's I
1: thought
2: he's... that, wow.
0: What balls, huh? Wow.
2: Yeah. Well, he was a special guy. And, you know, Eric, also, as far as starry goes, knowing uh, Bill Sachs and knowing as many people as I did who knew him quite well... Uh, they that you just nailed it. Thank you. That he was just this dangerous thank guy. You, but we're not here to talk about that movie. But thank you, guys. <laughs> yes, you're really, well, you're I love hearing. Well, you didn't win for
0: this. I wanted you to no, win for right. that.
1: I didn't even nominate for that. I got no, nominated for a for a Golden Globe for that, but not an Academy Award. And uh, I was I was very disappointed. I have never won an Academy Award nomination for anything specific except that, and uh, because I think I earned it, and. Uh, But that was Robert Duvall's year, you know. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, sometimes that's what it is. If it's Elizabeth Taylor won an Oscar for Butterfield Eight, which no one admires, but yet she deserved it it for Virginia Woolf. It was her year. It was her year. Same thing with Jimmy Stewart.
2: Well, and also, know. too, when, when Runaway Train was made, this was during that period with Canon, with 52 Pickup, and kind of the. Barfly. The, the, the you know. di- Barfly, yes, they're different films the, that they were giving opportunities to filmmakers. Speaking of
1: Barfly, my good friend Mickey Rourke was brilliant in them. Brilliant. Movie, yes. wasn't he? As was wow. Faye Dunaway. I mean. What yes. a performance. What a performance. In fact, why he didn't get a nomination for, for, for that, I've never known. Yep. Yeah. yeah.
2: I think it's so, fade the best thing fade anyway of the Possibly, no yes. doubt. Well, no doubt. Way.
1: It's hard to pass network, dude. She was yeah, oh, pretty yes. perfect. But
2: of she course was... those are so completely uh, diametric aren't opposites. They? Aren't and they? Yeah. that's just such a wonderful well, you know, measure. The, the amazing her.
0: thing about Barfly with her is that she's so unglamorous in it and yet she has this reputation for not wanting to look anything but glamorous. But yep. when the park calls for it, she's there and she's great. Well, I've worked with her, and she wants to always be beautiful, and
1: that's
2: all there is to it. And of course, there <laughs> is uh, our good friend, uh, Tiny Lister. We love Tiny.
1: What is it? Well, you know you told me your son is going to the Golden Gloves in Seattle? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah. made, I made a great movie with Tiny called First Dog, about, about the president's dog.
2: And he was, uh, yes, I did. I actually did a movie with him called Prison, and he uh, played it. A, actually, this time he was on the other side of the bars. You
1: have always been so goddamn good to me. You get these suckers for eighty dollars. They go for two hundred, but you got it for eighty dollars, I don't have eighty dollars,
2: Bob. I like Tiny. And he's fun to work with too. We were doing a rehearsal with Tiny Lister, and he was sitting on the floor next to me, and he knocked his head back against the corner of a desk. And Eric, you know exactly what I'm going to tell you. And the desk, like cut into his head he didn't even react to it he had blood pouring out of the back of his head he is such a big man and so tough he didn't even didn't even feel it and i finally had to say tiny you know the back of your head's opened up they said oh how long has it been since
0: you've seen this eric probably
2: uh
1: probably the year before i was married so i 1991-ish 90 90 we made it in eighty five was it, yeah, 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 I, and you know you know it's also weird about you know somebody like me when you when you watch your your yourself uh, in movies. I made so many movies and I've been around so long that I've watched myself grow old, and it's weird for me, like I look twenty years older than I do in this movie on my best day, <laughs> and uh that is because I. Am 25 years, uh, 30 years older, but you don't, you don't think about that
0: up till you turn on the TV and go, "Wow, do I look different now?" Exactly. Well, it's a, it's a miracle because you're preserved forever. Yeah. At and the they, height of your youth. There we go.
2: Now, now it, this was one, very close one, to one little story about
1: stunts. Mm-hmm. When we did a movie called Star Eighty. Bob Fosse wanted me hanging out a 35-story window with the camera on my face so he said you got to do it so we got to make you a member of the stuntmen's association so he uh he uh, flew up all the guys who had to come to a uh, vancouver from from la who had to sign me up and they signed me up and i and i uh so i could hang out this window so i did it i threw up by the way and uh and uh but i did it it's on film and uh and uh and, uh, so I was a member of the stuntman association. So I, so I, so I kept up with my dues and I was still a member when I did this movie. Okay. I did all my own stunts in this movie, except the one you're about to see, which is us going through a sewer into a river. It was a one take deal because there was ice on the river. So it's a one take deal. They only break the ice once. So I got all ready and the stunt man did it. And, uh. And uh, this was the last movie I ever did my own stunts with because I got smart, because I got scared. I got scared walking on the outside of that uh,
0: that train going 40 miles an hour in uh, sub-zero weather. Now is he using a bodysuit for this scene? Where because he's in shadow, I was trying to see. No, him. no,
1: he doesn't have a bodysuit. He that's 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 his skin, but they aren't they not they aren't really showing him. See, because he's you're so right. Skinny. I hadn't noticed yeah. this till he's you brought it He's super skinny. I mean, he's he's as skinny as I am in reality in the shot. See the way they cut that, so yeah. you wouldn't see. He didn't ever see his and, and and those probably aren't his legs, by the way. And that's I'm sure this big. touch so is isn't really him. Maybe I don't.
2: Remember, if that was his body double or him there with me, but but that was me. I'm sure this touch here with uh, the Saran and the grease and everything had to come from Eddie Bunker. I'm sure. That oh, he, of course it yes, did. Yes, this oh, is too yeah. realistic. This is yes.
1: all Eddie. Yeah, this is all Eddie. And uh, this is why they uh, they brought Eddie in because uh, Kurosawa had a great story, but uh, but the prison stuff was just was just you know kind of kind of kind of it was dropped off it was right yeah yeah it was just surface. well
2: and also it was probably a lot of it was from other movies not uh from life experience of course with eddie it was from life experience well you know
0: at the time this came out i don't think a lot of people had seen really realistic depictions of prison you know you had movies like the Birdman of alcatraz well while it was uh rough it was not anything as realistic as this. And, of course, now it's even more so. Even when it was made, though, it was dated Birdman.
1: This will never be dated ex- except, except, except for a time in history.
0: But as a drama, it is not dated whatsoever. And nope. that's more noticeable, especially now we've got this Blu-ray presentation where people can enjoy it.
2: And that's the other thing, too, I guess you said, Alan Hume, this, the film, and we haven't even gotten to the train material yet, it's just so gorgeously photographed. He was, of course, he shot uh, Empire Strikes Back. Is, this is two locations. Brilliant. This was
1: a real sewer, and this was a set, both. And uh, the real sewer was pretty, pretty awful, guys. We, we were in the
0: crap. And
2: was the real sewer in uh, Alaska? Yes, it was.
0: Would you say this was one of the roughest shoots you ever worked on, or were there some that were more... It would
1: be in the top half a dozen. Yeah, yeah, it be in the top half a dozen. Because uh, we'd be out there in the tundra, because they'd have to drop us off out of a helicopter, so there were no tracks. So they'd drop us down there, then they fly away, then here comes the, uh, the camera chopper. And sometimes it would take three or four minutes. John would get angry, and John would say, "Where's the chopper? You have actors in the snow. Where's the chopper?" And he would have little, 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 little angry sessions with the walkie. And uh, I, I, I just stood beside John. <laughs> uh, but Amen. I was in, I was in tennis shoes with with the plastic bags on my feet. I was miserable, miserable. Okay, wait, man.
0: Wait, but wait, uh, wait, wait. it was all pretty much worth it, pal. Oh, I think so. This is a you know, a, aside from being Canon's best movie, it's one of your best movies too. Thank you so much. Well this uh this this drop
1: off we're about we're 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 about to go do. They said, Eric, you are a stun man and says here. Are you gonna do this for us? And I looked at it and said, Oh no, 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 no. We'll let we let we'll let somebody else do that. And here it
2: comes. And here it comes, here it comes.
1: <laughs> right here. That is not me, you guys. That is not me. Wow, you yeah. can notice it when your your attention's drawn to it. If you know that it's not me, it's yeah. obviously not me. Yeah. yeah. But that is me. There being you are. Miserable. <laughs> wow.
2: Miserable. <laughs> oh my God. You must have wow. Been freezing. Well, uh, well, Eric, let's talk about. Uh, you, uh, so you must have worked very closely with Max Clevin. Oh uh, sure, yeah.
1: Max. Yeah, Max is great. And uh, now here's what I'm talking about. Where they had to drop us off off of the tundra with uh, the choppers and their prison riots
0: yep in support Man. of you guys yeah we're out dude we are out well Manny is kind of a legend in jail isn't he now he is a legend yeah and Voight plays him with that kind of intensity I don't think people realized when they saw him in Schlesinger's Midnight Cowboy that he had this other enormous power as an actor too, I mean such a renaissance guy. Well my uh, two favorite you know, performances of his are, uh, are, uh, are
1: are Runaway Train and uh, Jane Fonda, oh, coming, okay. home. Coming, coming, home, home. coming Home. And they're opposites, totally. they're opposites. One is a peace snake, one is a violent animal.
2: And this is also, uh, I'd say, courtesy of of Eddie Bunker. This is very, very realistic. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Eddie
1: Eddie gave us lots of prison lessons, pal.
2: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yes. Lots of prison lessons. And there is John. With that focus, those eyes just could bore through steel.
0: John Ryan's one of the better actors to have ever breathed. Yep. Yeah, he's a real actor. There's something kind of mythical about the snow and the mountains and when there's no dialogue going on this movie takes on a kind of uh, otherworldly kind of uh,
2: well that's quiet. A, I was going to say also to as an actor to be in something that is so visually driven and that's this movie just just paints picture after picture and there you are as part of part of that that's a kind of a different process
1: it was awful. Uh, I'm, I'm watching this shot right here. And I'm, this took the better part of half a day to shoot. And it's maybe a total of 90 seconds screen time. And it was so miserable, so uncomfortable, and so not fun, and so not glamorous, and so not a movie. It was like life. And it was awful.
2: But those moments, as you said, like life, I think it comes through in every single frame sure of this does. film.
1: Yep. And Alan Hume
0: captured it all. Alan what? Hume, is that his name, the DP? Yes. Yeah, right, Alan Hume. What was John Voigt's relationship with Andre? Because they were, were friends way before this picture and all. Did, did they seem to have like a particular rapport when they were. They liked each other. They would huddle.
1: They would huddle their. Huddles were only two-man huddles, and so, sometimes you know they'd they'd bring me in, but they were they were very close. They
0: obviously liked and really trusted each other very much. Yes, he was always going to play this. There was never any other actor considered for it, but John Boyd Yeah. Oh
2: man. What I particularly like about what you do here uh, is you're kind of also, if you will, the. The, not just the, the Greek chorus, but you are, if you will, you're the, the sprite on John Voigt's shoulder because this is, you're like the enthusiasm that we made it and everything else, and Voight is the voice that keeps bringing you back You say, actually, no, we're closer to death. And you think you're closer to life. I think that's a wonderful contrast. Well, well,
1: we're—I mean, we're—we're we're both playing as symbols here. You yes, I'm—I'm like—I'm like possibility, and he's not the possibility. Exactly. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing here.
2: But as you said before, the way the part was originally conceptualized, if you had been just another tough guy, you would have lost all of that contrast. Well, thank you, thank
1: you very much. Also, what I—what I—what I like about Eddie his writing everything. Everything is a symbol. The shoes, of course, it's a symbol. Mm. The shoes, you got to have shoes to move. It's a symbol of transportation. It's a symbol of motion. It's a symbol of moving. And of
2: course, also for someone like Eddie Bunker, having your shoes stolen is <laughs> one of the worst things that can happen to you in prison. That's a real demotion. And so shoes become that's that's very important to to anyone who's incarcerated.
0: Sure. Yeah. That's that's a. That's a great thing to think well, about. Well, when you say that Voight and and the director were close, it's an understatement because John Voight helped Andre get his green card. <laughs> I didn't know that. This, Good for John. So Good they they, John. they go they go back like that. And he said that Voight had suggested a title to call this "No Beast So Fierce" from Richard the famous line. Right. But right. But uh, you know, uh, but he they decided to go with what they went with. So there you go. Because that had
2: already been the title of Eddie Bunker's book. Exactly. It was all taken from Shakespeare, of yes. course. Yes, of
0: course.
1: Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Well, of course, too, I think before uh, Andre had done Maria's Lovers for canon, but uh, with John Voight's support and really getting him going as a, a director because he had been teaching college during all these times with these projects with John that didn't happen. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's funny. Yeah, he, I think he'd been teaching out at Pepperdine. Isn't that correct? Yes. That's yes. right. <laughs> and they were trying to get different projects going, and that was how Andre was uh, keeping himself alive. Well, you know, when you think about
0: Menachem and Yoram, and then you think about Andre, they all were outsiders in a way. And no one understands Hollywood better than an outsider because you're always
2: on the glass looking out, you know? and trying to find that place, and here we go. Now all this train
1: stuff, we had we had, we had, we, we, we had like safety meetings every 10 seconds because you now this train does this, can go this fast, blah, 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 you can only grab it here, go and grab it here, you can only step here, only step there, you cannot step here, if you step here you will die, blah, 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 we get all these safety meetings every 10 minutes and everything was slightly dangerous. And uh, it was also very cold and very slippery. Now, where I got through doing stunts was on a scene, nothing like this, and we get on the train, and I'm walking behind John's stunt double. And I slipped maybe four inches, and I realized I could have died. So I was done. Forevermore, no more stunts. I'm not a tough guy, I'm an actress.
0: <laughs> and uh, so.
1: Uh, I'm going to quote you on that. So I. Mean? Uh, well, that's that's what my wife calls me. When, when, <laughs> when, when, whenever I say anything like, God, I'm tired, she'll say, don't be an actress. Don't be an actress. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, well, my
0: wife's cool. Uh, so was anyone hurt on this film while you were? Well, we, uh, we lost a helicopter pilot. And the film was dedicated to him, I think. Yeah, it was. Besides that, no, nobody got hurt. Nobody well, this did. was a $10 million, 13-week shoot, according to... Uh, variety
2: and uh, which for canon was a big commitment a big commitment yes it's huge they only made million dollar movies yeah. yep yeah now uh eric how large was the uh, the actual crew for the locomotive you had an engineer and
1: it was a real locomotive we're in there and we're we're on the the uh, sound stage at uh, and uh, on the cbs lot uh uh they would have you know removable walls on the train. Mm-hmm. It was a real train, but they had a you know, cut where they could take out a wall, they could take out a side of it. Uh, But but in Alaska, we were on a train, dude, and it was cramped, and we had a crew, we had a minimal crew, so camera crew, sound crew seven, Mm -hmm. and us, and uh, so one, two, three actors all the time, seven crew, plus Andre, plus your maintenance, your makeup, hair, wardrobe, so probably 15 to 20 of us were on this engine every day. We got to know each other I really gonna well. I was going to say,
2: that's a very confined space.
1: Yeah, and everybody was on their best behavior, because if you weren't, you were an a-hole. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. How well did you uh, actually learn to operate the locomotive? Not at all, not at all.
1: I know nothing about locomotives whatsoever. Because they are
2: complicated machines.
1: Well, they gave us a stretcher track about 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 40 miles long mm-hmm. that, would, that would that that we could use you in coming and going both ways, and it was our stretcher track. So we're 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 very lucky in that aspect, and that and that we didn't have to stop or wait for people or trains or anything. We're always working, and. Uh, and if it weren't so cold, because it was so cold. If it weren't so cold, it would have been a pleasure. But it was cold, and the cold makes it miserable.
2: And also, too, this is a just a giant steel monolith. So, of course, not well heated inside, I'm sure. Nope. No, there's
1: an ex an expression that uh, that I that I started using after this film called cold as a nun's ass because that's how cold it was that's pretty cold
0: that's <laughs> pretty <laughs> cold Or, or, uh, or so I'm told. Yeah. Well, there you are. We can't be sure. Yeah. But one of the reviewers was calling this Moby Diesel because (laughs) (laughs) that's fantastic. They wanted to get get a little bit of Melville in there. That is so fantastic, Moby Diesel.
2: He's dead. You've got a runaway coming your way on track two. What did you say? (laughs) What did you say? And well, bringing up um, the the more recent version of this with Denzel Washington. Uh, the emphasis there seemed to be actually on the people in the office mm-hmm. rather than who's on the train. And here I think the balance is a lot better because it's always nice to see how everyone's going to deal with the crisis, but we're more interested in you and John Voight than everybody uh, Well, would you have a, a, a situation
0: here. where people are coming out of jail into, into what they hope is freedom and they find themselves confined once again, but they're moving somewhere else? Right. Maybe to their destiny.
1: Well, that's 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 what we're symbols of, and uh, possibility of redemption and hope.
0: That's it. And you are allowed to have a future in this, which, and
2: uh, as uncertain as it It is, as it is, yes, you don't die. I
1: love I love the symbol in the end when uh, John stands up on the train. Oh,
2: just vanishing
1: into white. Wow. Yeah, it's fantastic. Wow, (laughs) what a moving thing that is to watch. Yeah. In fact, we'll wow it again when it comes up. But wow, that was fantastic!
2: Now, uh, Eric, for for these scenes uh, here, was all this was all built at CBS, was it not?
1: This is all in the CBS lot. Yeah, yep. on the CBS lot, and they shot this after we're all done. I think after we're all done with all the stuff in Alaska, they. Uh, they came back and then shot this.
2: Well, this this is also a real tribute to Alan Hume, and Andre Tokolowski because you see this work and the light and everything else complete. It looks like it's location. Uh huh. It's just stunningly naturalistic and uh, just a brilliantly uh, done job, I would say, of uh, integrating this material with uh, the location material and everything is just seamless. Well, where Andre was
1: really great is Andre is Russian. So, so, so um, being, being in show and being Russian, you're very artistic. And uh, all the actors are good in this. He was very meticulous in how he cast. And he only wanted, uh, oh, there's a brake shoe. Ow, that's a hot brake shoe, dude. <laughs> dude, that's a brake shoe. Ooh, no brakes on that train. Okay. <laughs> it's a runaway train. It's
0: a runaway,
1: hence the title. Hence who th- knew? Who knew?
0: <laughs> you know, one thing I think Andre realized when he started this picture after his experience with Maria's lovers with Canon. Uh, a quote from him is, he said, you know... I hadn't thought of using uh, Nastasia from Mar- uh, Maria's Lovers, but I realized this about Canon Films. Frankly, they didn't even want to talk to me. They just wanted a package. They wanted a low budget film, and they wanted Nastasia Kinski, and the rest was left up to me. So you can imagine by the time this came along, he pretty much knew how to handle the
2: Go Go Boys and pretty much made the picture he set out to make which meant also too i know that he just zeroed right in on you and said you are the perfect person to play this role wow thanks dude and uh and he was correct i just can't think of a better you know contrast between these two characters than than the way you guys do it it's just well the fact you wonderful. can hold
0: your own with john Voigt, eric says says volumes because this is a powerful performer well, thank you so much. It's a powerful. It's a powerful pro, a pro,
1: performer, but it's also a powerful performance. God, is he great in this movie? He really he?
2: is. He's fantastic. He's completely awesome. He's fantastic. And and what is also wonderful here is that you're the one that we see as the boxer, and John projects his physical power in a different way, and that's also that's a terrific contrast. And it also shows that you, I think, your character was more integrated into the prison society than Voigt's was, that you knew how to get along better than he did.
1: Well, when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're a weaker guy on the totem pole, you have to learn how to get yes. along. And he obviously is a weaker guy on the totem pole, being a smaller guy.
2: And he's the hustler, and he's the deal-maker, and
0: yep, but, but the Voight, schemer. But uh, Voight's character is so, is so overwhelming that he's welded into his cell. I mean, uh, we uh, learn uh, all this stuff. Uh, how you uh, can't, this man is like the, uh, no, you, you can't turn, he's like Hannibal Lecter, you can't turn your back on well, him. Well,
2: that's why John P. Ryan has just zeroed in on him as this it, target. It's a personal yes, thing. Yes, absolutely. Hence the kind of Moby Dick uh, that's analogy. Right. You yeah, know? They, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We go yes, John. John is uh, Ahab in his way. And again, here are these scenes. This is very simply done. This studio work, but it's just so perfectly integrated into uh, the other scenes of the film. You you wouldn't think it wasn't location. You wouldn't think that it wasn't also shot uh, right there in Alaska. And wow, now, Eric, the, the second unit uh, on this film was that done simultaneously with? Yeah. Um,
1: it was done at the same time, and um, uh, they, in fact, the helicopter pilot. This is probably him who died uh, was with the second unit, and uh, he hit some wires. How far down. into the film did that happen? Uh, about the third, about the second week in Alaska. We're up here freezing our asses off for nothing. Hey,
2: shut your mouth and keep your eyes on the glacier. This guy. And this way. is just so spectacular. Same thing I would do. <laughs> John, I love you, John Ryan. <laughs> I love that guy. Look at that
1: shot. That's a great Incredible. shot. Incredible. So you have to have two choppers, and you have to have, you know, one you're
0: taking pictures of the other, and uh, they had an accident. One of them died. Well, this is the thing about train movies I love. Regardless of what the narrative or the story might be, there's always something about a train going in one direction where it cannot be stopped or it, it won't stop, or if it's stopped, there's a way. Like Murder on the Orient Express, they have the train is stopped because of snow, and then every, there's a drama there. But it's just like movies that begin and end on trains are always very watchable and entertaining. Movies. Well, it's Not because there's always movement. Exactly. Yeah, it's always motion.
2: Yeah, yeah but it was and what we're and of course very soon we have the uh, the introduction of uh, Rebecca De Mornay and uh, really such a again the, the the casting of her in such direct contrast to what she had done before. Well,
1: risky business. Let yes. me yeah. let me tell you about her first day on the set. So she shows up ready to work, and she looks. She has an her old and tattered clothes, but she looks gorgeous. And Andre said, you look gorgeous. And she said, thank you. And he said, you're not supposed to look gorgeous. (laughs) You're supposed to be a ragamuffin. A a -a ragamuffin. You're supposed to be a mess. You're not beautiful. You look beautiful. Why why have you makeup? He lost his cool with her and made her cry before she said a word of dialogue. So she goes back to makeup. They take off the beauty makeup, they put on the crappy makeup, send her back out. She's very distressed. Very good, now you look appropriate. Now we make a movie. <laughs> and so that's, that was the start with Rebecca, bless her heart. <laughs> she had to go through a little, a little, a little roughness right away. But she, she is know, wonderful this, and she this used This monologue it. he gives here Let me tell you, Jackie, is probably cool. the best monologue about being a loser that's ever been in cinema and when that man walks in at the end of the day and he
2: comes to see how you've done this is, uh, as you said, not only just being a loser but it is also what everybody feels at some point in their life if they've ever been subjected to a boss or anyone like that. Why
1: I call it a loser is because we've all been subjected to whatever but when that happens, you don't then react you don't say f you you don't cry you don't beg for forgiveness you don't get angry you don't fight back. you do nothing that's what he's talking about that you do nothing you just keep working while he beats your ass verbally you just keep working you do nothing that is is the pain involved that's right and it's relatable
2: because we've all been
1: there we've all been there but but you know most of us us especially those of us that that have any passion, we either bark or we cry. He's talking about not doing either. He's talking about just giving in. And And absorbing it. Just just absorbing it, yeah. Absorbing it. Could you do that?
0: Could you do that? Well, Voight
1: has this ability. I just can't believe it. So, yeah... Yeah, that was maybe one of the best monologues about being a loser ever in the history of Cinema John. Thank you, buddy. Did he do that in one take? Uh no. Because as you as you can see it was it was it was it was covered in many different sizes. Yeah. You know, that's that's your medium. Then he had his wide, you know, down where you we show his legs and he had a close up his face. So he shot it at least three times.
2: Now Eric, well, for that particular scene, uh, was that done in the cab of the locomotive on location or was that at CBS?
1: That was at CBS. Okay. That was at CBS. Yeah. But that's in Alaska right there. Boy, it there. sure is. You can feel it, can't you? Running the red light, guys, running the red light.
2: And the other thing, too, that, that the movie really puts across here when you're talking about, of course, it's a runaway train the weight of the vehicle that's what actually makes this all so dangerous is people don't even think that it's the cars behind the locomotive that all of these tons and tons of metal are propelling it forward yeah it's cool huh? and propelling you guys into you know the white void well, you know, up until this
0: film, Andre was saying, you know, maybe I'm better with women as when I'm directing women. Maybe I'm better with that because he was seeing Shirley MacLaine at the time. But by the time he made Runaway Train, I think it's quite obvious he's pretty good with men, too.
1: I think, I think Andre is a man's director that's what i would call it. Well, after I this i'd agree it. with you i mean uh, i i uh, i i don't think anybody can get a bad performance out of shirley MacLaine. i mean that's a, that's a genius actor right there yeah and i think i think if she can hold her own with any director no 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 matter if he speaks english or not <laughs> but because andre's english was uh, was very lame in this he would he would he would have he would have real trouble you know explaining what he wanted but uh Oh, here it comes, guys!
2: Here it comes. I wanted to ask you about this. Seems like a truly close call, he and very, very dangerous to stage this. Well, that was our track. We had about
1: we had about forty miles of track that was just ours, and we used it. Both sides are ours, coming and going, and uh, we get a location every morning. About four because it was always light. So we go about about four thirty in the morning and wrap about about five thirty in the afternoon. And it was uh but you know, we would we we'd we get to work at like at like four thirty. I mean we'd we leave for work at like four thirty, but we'd only start to shoot at about six. Six, 30. But it was always light and it was always Oh Wow Wow
0: Wow What a shot, guys I know Well, now it's Moby Diesel This is definitely No, that's just
1: uh, uh, spectacular And with the sound involved You really get the feeling, don't you? So whenever they say, you know, sounds that important You know, remind them in this movie
2: now Eric for for that how how many artificial cars uh, did they build it looked like about at least five or six
1: I think just two yeah just uh, just uh, just two for the CBS lot we had two
2: because that was uh, that's a, that's an incredible uh, uh, moment and uh Again, this is, you're dealing with real vehicles. And even if they've been built to be destroyed or whatever, that is a very dangerous piece of business that they just pulled off just beautifully.
0: Well, when they recreated the, when they reconstructed the train in the studio, there was no room for the director. The camera was placed and there was no room for any people to come in and, and... uh, Well, the, uh, the first time I ever saw
1: you in Video Assist was 1982 or three on uh, Star 80. Bob, Bob Fosse had it, but he rarely used it. Uh, he had videos, he, he, had, he had video assist on this, but it was not always coming into his monitor well, because in 1986, it was not really great yet. Mm-hmm. It was there, it was not fantastic, and so, so, sometimes it would bleed out, you know. But, uh, and also with all this white, I imagine that, yeah. That we, too, yes, that too, yeah. It's an issue. It was a hard ass movie to shoot. Alan Hume and his and his and and his crew were not lightweights all those guys were really heavyweights at their jobs and they were guys yep. they were they, they were they were in for the work you know it was going to be work okay we're in and no. uh, they,
2: they, they, they well, were those the tough brits some of those guys had worked on lawrence of arabia and things like that so they were and they shoot the james bond films absolutely up until that time Yep.
1: yeah so you know and those are hard work for the crew those are hard work.
2: Shooting in Alaska, and when you're talking about uh, your your shooting days, uh, did it get a little uh, disorienting? Because of course you never lost your son.
1: Uh, it was awful. It's awful to to uh, to never change the light. Is the most disorienting thing you can possibly imagine. It doesn't sound like anything up to you experience it. It's weird. After the. Third or fourth day when it's always always the same light, you're confused automatically every day. It's weird, it's weird.
2: It's not fun, it's yeah. not fun. And of course, it, that also adds to uh, the visual of the movie is just this, it's kind of this odd gray blanket over everything and uh, that's uh has adds so much to it and again and here I I take it here we are this is at CBS yeah this is CBS yeah incredible so it absolutely looks like it is there on the uh, locomotive that's just amazing
0: yeah that's called movie Magic guys. There's Kenneth McMillan. There he is. Oh, there Kenny is. McMillan. I always remember him from uh, Dune. And from Pope. And from, yes, yes. From Pope of Greenwich Village.
2: Yeah. Now, Eric, how uh, shortly after Pope of Greenwich Village did you uh, did you shoot this? This was uh, almost the next movie up, was it? Uh, this, let me see.
1: this. Uh, I did the Coca-Cola Kid
0: after Pope, and then this. I'm, yeah. And then this. And prior to that was King of the Gypsies, I guess. Oh, that was prior to that would have been Star Eighty. Star 80, and then yep. King of the Gypsies was and maybe your first. Before that would have been Raggedy Man, and before that would have been Paul's case,
1: and before that would have been my first King of the Gypsies. Yeah.
0: And that was a huge film too, as far
2: yeah, as budget was,
0: and it was a big noise, yeah.
1: Big it was noise. Was a big noise.
2: And, uh, Good oh, old Kenny. The, Kenny McMillan.
1: I loved Kenny. What a cool cat.
2: Oh, and TK Carter, we should know. Yeah, yeah. Very good actor. Yeah, TK's cool.
1: Taking care of it. What about the I love Kenny. Yes. Loved Kenny. Loved Kenny.
2: Through and through. He was a great guy. And, and great uh,
1: politics too.
2: Yep. And uh I I had the good fortune actually spending a little time with Ken McMillan and believe it or not, we uh, had a drink. How nice. Yes. Well, <laughs> one drink or <laughs> I believe it was more than one, yes. <laughs>
1: Kenny was a fun guy to hang with. And boy... He was very well educated, you know. He
2: was, a, he really knew his history of New York.
1: He sure did, pal. Yes. And he could talk you under a table about it. Yep.
0: yeah. Get that runaway on the spur and Jordan and Deraille. Well, you know, I've noticed that all the truly great films are populated with really good character actors, a lot of them. This system is designed so that I can get everyone... Out
2: well, and, the, and this movie, uh, I think in particular... The casting is so strong because absolutely every character, I think, stands his own ground. Everyone has their own patch, and everyone makes their own impression. Well,
1: that starts with your blueprint, and your blueprint is your script. And he
2: wrote every
1: character setting completely different from from, from one another which is the, uh, the uh, pitfall of writing. When you have a great script, every character sounds different. When you have an ordinary script, they all sound alike. Yep. And uh, that's where Eddie kicked ass because everybody in here has a different voice. The only character who I don't love he wrote was Rebecca's character. I don't think she's finished. That's an opinion, not a fact. But uh, uh, I think, I think we, uh, we, we didn't get enough balls from that character. But that's just an opinion. Besides that, I think this is a perfect movie. And I do I think it's a perfect movie. Look at Kenny.
2: Well, and also, too, that, as you said, Eric, that, that idea of everybody having their individual voice, that was the old uh, uh, Sam Peckinpah screenwriting test to cover up the names of the characters and see if everybody sounded different. Yeah, right, right, yep. right, right, right. And,
0: uh, How did Rebecca feel about this after the first time she saw it? Do you remember? Were you... I don't. Uh, R- Rebecca, since that uh, first day
1: when she got you know yelled at by Andre about about looking too too attractive, she kind of was an uh, of the five of us: Eddie, the writer; John, the actor; Andre, the director; Eric, and Alan. Of those five, we kind of all hung tight on set together without her she was kind of an outsider for us because she 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 didn't really want to be involved with us Mm -hmm. and uh i think it all came from that from that first day when when uh, she thought she's playing one thing Andre said no you're playing another and i think it dismayed her i don't know i don't want to speak for her but uh, uh we we five hung tight without her Mm-hmm. So I can't really say what
0: what was going on with her because I don't really know. Well, her one comment was just after this movie, I stayed off trains for quite a while. Who's that? That's Rebecca said Rebecca's... after this movie, I stayed off trains for quite a while. Bless her heart.
2: You know, she's 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 a really sweet woman. Now that shot that we just saw with uh, all of you standing there, right? Uh, in the front of the uh, of the engine, uh, good lord, that must have been absolutely freezing. That was cold as a nun's ass, as they say. Yeah, cold, cold, cold. Did I hear you right and going right into the snow, we see that there was a little bit of optical snow there, but uh, there was an awful lot of real snow. Yeah, that was that was all the real stuff. That was the real stuff. You know, you notice with the snow
0: and all, even though this film is shot in color it's it the color is very muted in some in some places to really allow you to look at the majesty of all that snowy landscape well
2: Uh, I think that that was also Alan Hume balancing all that uh... light in Alaska and how it just kind of was just beautiful to look at. Look at
1: that, look at that shot it's so simply described
0: but look at it it gives you urgency, it, it gives you fear, it gives you danger And it gives you a sense of optimism because it's going someplace. Yeah,
2: who knows? But also, too, not only are we following the train, but this slowly moving in on it as well. And we're seeing that it is also, too, it's multiple locomotives. It's not just the one in front. It's also one behind. And that's power. And uh, that is speed. Well, according to the... Production notes here. The train
0: sequences were filmed on the Seward main track of the Alaska Railroad, which runs from Seward through Anchorage and up to Fairbanks. The company shot on locations 60 miles up the mountains with no roads were only accessible by helicopter or train. It was a wild environment where bald eagles, moose, and jackrabbits were seen almost daily. All that's true. We saw saw on our second
1: or third day on the location we're on we're on the way to we're gonna start shooting on the train and we saw a mother moose and her baby we're like wow this is heaven oh my god
0: and uh, yeah it was pretty special so they used three cameras to film most of these scenes they sure did and they made a run on the track and had to get as many shots as possible I guess another train was due through I mean there were other trains working during this I suppose
1: we we had we had like two trains always going at the same time we had we had a second unit train and a first unit train
2: and also here you've got uh an additional dangerous situation for uh uh, the crew because you had to add all of this uh wreckage and what have you to the front of the train and so that was that makes it also more difficult to maneuver and there are all these little little elements that are so perfect in their uh, additional realism to the movie, but it made the movie a lot more difficult to shoot. Here comes Rebecca. Rebecca. There's,
0: Rebecca, there's the Rebecca, the ragamuffin.
2: Yep.
1: I want to be a ragamuffin, not a beauty queen.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I think one of the reasons the realism in this is so is so gives you such anxiety is that Andre was going for a documentary look in this. I think. Yeah.
1: No.
2: Well it is also too it's the the train wreckage it's the human wreckage it's that's that's what the movie is and uh, everyone is scarred everything is damaged i think yeah well
1: that's uh this this uh whole story is a study of the human condition <laughs> you know
0: it really is well that's probably what attracted him to the to the project in the first place is that he could have all these kind of uh, of tropes in there.
2: I love uh, the introduction here of the character because we have no idea if it's a man or a woman.
0: That's right. Especially in fact, in fact, in fact, we
1: think it's a man because I say to John, "Are we going to kill him?" That's John. right.
2: And uh, here with the uh, with a uh, hard hat and all the rest of it, we have absolutely no clue. And there she is,
1: Ragamuffin. Not the beauty queen. (laughs) Was this her first day, or was it, uh, uh, as I recall, it was. And this is on the lot. This is not in Alaska. What am I doing here? I work on this train. What are you doing here? Hey, what are we doing here? I tell you what we're doing
2: One of the things, too, I think, with Rebecca is particularly noticeable, and the makeup department did such a beautiful job, is also they took care of everyone's skin tone so they look cold.
1: Yeah. You got a great point, dude. Like
2: really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she looks like she is freezing. Oh, and of course, uh you have to make your move.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's so obnoxious, buck, isn't he? I was a nap.
2: And I love it. The only little uh piece of feminine uh accoutrement i guess you could say with rebecca oh, is she's wearing earrings, earrings those right. little earrings yep little hard earring uh,
1: manny we heard the whistle no
0: i blew the whistle
1: and you're just trying to get us off guard and get us busted
0: listen to me this runaway is going to run into something very fast i climb back here to the last engine where it's safer
2: here she is she has the one voice because of course they're not in touch with anybody on the radio they have not in touch with the fellows in charge of the railroad tracks and uh Everybody at the computer, and she is the one with all the information.
1: Yeah,
0: she's our chorus. Yep. Well, what makes it a perfect movie in a way, Eric, is the fact that an audience can pretty much read what they want into the symbols here. You know, however you want to interpret life and death, struggling to make your move, making your, your final decisions, trying to make the right moves in life. Well, we've got we've got we got
1: the facts with her character. We have uh, hope with mine and we have surrender with his. Yes, we have yes. got it all.
0: Resolution. Yeah. Resolution. 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 Resolution, Resolution to that's death. The word. Absolutely. That's the word. I don't have time for him. He says yeah. Very important. You know anything about the runaway? And to have all of that in the middle of something that's entertaining as well, you've got it made, you know. You know, you know it's funny to me
1: as I watch this right now is i was whatever i was 27 you know when i did this and now i look at this movie i'm his age (laughs) i'm kenny's age (laughs) that's weird i'm i'm like i'm like a peer of his now good old kenny he was such a loss what a good guy
2: well and also in like ken mcmillan's case doing one of the hardest things you can do, where he actually has so much dialogue to a microphone. Yeah. And not to another actor, just uh, barking orders and what have you, and that is incredibly difficult. It is know.
1: hard work. Ow, John, gonna end. hurt yourself, buddy. I'm no
0: expert. Did he hurt himself on this film at any point?
1: John is so invested in every physical move he makes. Of course he did. I don't know. Specifically, but I know John, and I was there, and yet John was into it every take. So, of course he did.
0: Well, his commitment to this movie was 100%. We we all agree agree on on that.
1: John's that kind of guy. John John is fully committed. Uh, John and I agree on everything on this planet except politics. (laughs) We have have opposite politics. But uh, besides that, John is one of the people I admire most uh... as a, as a working actor just cuz he's a wonderful actor he's a wonderful guy he's totally committed and he works his ass off and i do too so i love that yeah i love that
2: well this is a particularly good scene with this dynamic between the three of you and eric here especially here with you because everything is starting to come undone. It's all unraveling. Coming unglued. Yes. <laughs> what you thought was going to happen and the freedom. and you was and going John to gonna Vegas be out and on now I'm the going tar. to hell. Yes. <laughs> well, they're, they're mutually exclusive. Right? <laughs> yeah. And,
1: uh, and, uh, and uh, John's resolved about it all. Here we go. You know, F it. Here I go.
0: And I'm scared, dude. I'm scared. How would you compare Mickey Rourke and John? Because they're both powerful kind of presence, film presence. Uh, John is very giving.
1: You know, Mickey is a very selfish actor. I see it uh, now. Now that's not that's not that, that 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 sounds negative. It's not meant to be negative. No, uh, I'm a very selfish actor. I I I I I understand. Um, uh, but John. Even right here, John, as an actor on the set with you, he's giving to you. I can't really explain how, but John is always with his actor. I am not always with the actor I'm with, neither is Mickey. Uh, Mickey and I, even though we're both, you know, pretty good actors, we we act a little bit sometimes. You know, it it isn't always 100% honest. I don't see John in this movie with one dishonest millisecond. That's
0: very, that's a very good way of comparing them. It's, it's... Yeah, and uh, although, don't get me wrong, I'm a huge fan of Mickey Rourke. Oh, well, yeah. And and I love the guy. He's amazing. I love
1: the guy and the actor. Yeah. But, I'm just saying, I think... Look, I can't jump here. For my money, John Voight is a better actor than Eric Roberts and Mickey Rourke. But that's just based on this one movie. And also Coming Home. It's based on those two movies. I see and uh just because those those two movies are two perfect performances now i've got a couple of movies that are close to perfect performances but not as far away from me as it is from john john's not this guy any way you slice it john's not this guy and uh
0: which is why he wanted to play him i think so badly
2: so great in his part oh my god well, the, the, Eric, the m- moment you're speaking, when, when you start talking about the difference in the acting, and John's focus on you is so total, and you see that your, your head is drawn right, your eyes are drawn right to him I know. In, your, in your scene. It's, it's wonderful, because it's also the communication of, of not only you as, as actors, but also as you as characters, and it just adds so much, I think, uh, to the layers of the film, and it's, uh, it's just wonderful.
0: Well, he's so pow- you know what—he's almost, in a way, John Voight's character is so towering. It's almost like he's in competition with the train itself. Ooh. I mean, they're both very wow, powerful. what a great <laughs> understanding that yeah, is. Dude. It's a powerful dichotomy of these two forces of nature: a train and a man with a mission. Now, this
1: shot right here of us three right there. Is an 85 degree weather at CBS.
2: This is amazing that this was done at CBS. And that's plastic snow. And the tra- the tracks got under- underneath. That was uh, actually uh, canvas, wasn't it? On a roller that was going back and Good forth. Fee- that's right. That's yes. what that was. Thanks for knowing that. Yeah, that's what that was. Yeah. It's so beautifully done. Well, it
1: it's looks just like it's slush. Alan Hume. Hume. That's <laughs> Alan really Hume. It's really amazing. He's a miracle worker. I mean, look at this movie. Look at that shot. That is okay, hold on Southern California midday hot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that's, that's why a, they call it movie magic. Huh? That's
1: Alan Hume's brilliance, guys.
2: And this material here is just uh, astonishing with the uh, co- right. combing into the tunnel and with the uh, helicopter is just, uh, just amazing. And, and that's something else too. I think that uh, the direction is so brilliant in this movie because we get intimate and then we go wide and then we're intimate again and then we're back into well, this world remember and how Courtney, large it is.
0: We were talking about Snowpiercer. That's right. Which is a movie of just a couple of years ago about a train that can't stop, but for different reasons. Because the world's come to an end, and uh. all the world that we know is on this train. But it, I, I think they go outside the train in that, too, in some places.
2: But th- it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful rhythm to the movie that even within jail cells and then out into the prison yard. And close and then wide, and close and wide. So we're always getting that contrast. And uh, it's, uh, it's wonderfully, there we go. And it's, it's wonderfully measured in that way and, and uh, uh, gives the film this just constant sense of, uh, I think, movement.
0: Well, we're kind of getting on and off trains in our
2: life, aren't we, Courtney? Yes. one point or another. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> wow. Uh, Fortunately, not with quite as much uh, conflict as these characters no. say, yeah but, this is yeah. a great
1: example of movie magic you had your three stunt doubles on the outside of a train going 40 miles an hour in the sub-zero weather and you cut to an interior shot 85 degree weather in Southern California and you don't know it's different
2: it's so cool now it's 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 beautifully done and this also is not only just uh, with Alan did and Max Clevin did but uh andre's just visual planning was so precise because it had to be when, yeah. you, when you're doing something this large and uh, this complicated and to disguise these moments. Oh. look at that that's just fantastic oh wow
0: she's coming eta's in about three minutes
2: that's 180 then, seconds guys here we go here we go this is uh this is just a remarkable thing here we go. And trying to break it off. Whoa, that- wow, wow, wow. That's so exciting to watch I even know. now. And that's at
1: CBS, <laughs> is it not? That's a CBS. That's your actors, that's CBS. 85 degrees outside.
2: Just amazing. Yeah. I was going to
0: ask you with with John and Andre, even though they were friends, when it came to making the movie, he really put John through the paces. He didn't give him show any favoritism. Well,
1: at John all, is did. also the kind of actor who's like, I want to do this, I want to know what it's like, so I can play it properly. Yes. So, so John's that kind of guy. So John had had no issues with doing his stuff at all. In fact, in fact, John had a lot more balls than I did
2: wow there you go yeah this is wow yeah that's that's absolutely wonderful of course now that moment is from the kurosawa script yes well since we've been on the train a lot of it yes with the uh bridge almost collapsing underneath because it can't uh can't hold the weight get me central control quick and I think, too, the advantage that, uh, you know, that this version has, as you said, as opposed to uh, the more recent film, is it is Alaska. It is snow. It is ice. It's the it's,
1: real deal, it's,
2: it's the environment of everything and of these characters that just makes, makes such a difference because there's no safety zone, I guess is really what it comes down mm-hmm. to. There's no safety zone for anyone in this movie
1: our stunt crew was the quietest coolest most serious stunt crew I have ever worked with you before or since very quiet very cool guys very laid-back but always there with us and always saying stuff like Eric you can't do this
2: <laughs> okay okay I won't <laughs> And when also their commitment uh, on this film is just absolutely enormous. Look at that shot. Look at that great traveling shot. God, that was our
0: location, guys. That's where we were. God. When you see how the color is kind of muted there to give it a certain kind of special... And see, these wordless sequences, I think, are really majestic and very... Uh, They're important because they they, they... they give you a juxtaposition for this stuff inside. Well, it's
2: also it's, it's the snow, and it's also the fact that the sun never sets. So you have this constant white haze That's over right. everything. And as you said, just so disorienting, and it's, it's like being on another planet.
1: Yeah, man, you ain't kidding.
2: And this is all so beautifully done and beautifully integrated. On, Let's rip this fucker. that the door.
1: It's jammed or something. I couldn't open it. Hey, don't you worry, sweetheart.
2: And I love this point here, Eric, where you're the one who decides to finally, you know, you're, you've you decided to be the force. You've decided to... To be the hero. Be, to be the hero, yeah. that's right. Well he's Every, kind of allowing him to be he's yes, allowing him to yes. be you
0: know he's he's kind of mentoring him in a way although it's not quite so cut and dried your relationship with John and well this. nothing ever is pal
2: especially between two guys and well and and it's that moment where you you've had this like hero worship and then he disappoints you but then you find something within yourself to which was what he was trying apart, to do. Which is what he, he was, was trying, trying to, do, to yes. make him do, you know... All along. All along, right, exactly. And just become a uh, a different guy than just the uh, the hustler in prison.
0: Well, you know, there's only... How many movies can we think of where you have two buddies, you know, like uh, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, you know, a totally different kind of movie with What two a good guys. movie, though. That's wow. A, oh, wonderful. Michael Cimino. Michael
2: mm. Cimino, absolutely. Jeff Bridges.
1: You know, Michael Michael Cimino almost directed the Pope of Greenwich Really? Yeah. <laughs> but they decided, since he had just brought down a major studio with, with <laughs>
0: Heaven's Gate,
1: Heaven's Gate, they decided, you know, maybe maybe we'll not. not, not to maybe not. Yeah. And he ended up with uh, with Stu Rosenberg. Yeah, who was fantastic. Everything you'd ever want in a director. Yep. Yeah. Cool hand Luke. Fantastic. Amity Valhara. That's right. He's a great director.
2: Great guy. What is uh, wonderful here is now that uh, John Ryan is actually inside the office. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Let me teach you something about prison life.
1: Yeah. Oh, dude, that's rough. That is rough. That is rough. That is rough. Dude, that is rough.
2: And John just had that way that authority on camera. John's a badass. Too. He was a badass. John's yes, a badass he was. Badass on film. John is a badass
1: on film. John's a perfect gentleman in reality. Perfect sweetie pie.
2: When we uh, when I did my movie with him, we actually had uh, adjoining hotel suite, so we had breakfast every morning and uh, oh gosh, I just I just loved him. He was just so much fun. How did he? What were he, What did? How did he get started in films? Was he? I don't know, John Well, yes, I know he was. John there, comes from the theater. A, he I know came that came yeah. from the theater, but he was very close to Jack Nicholson, and I think Five Easy Pieces really is the first. Was that his first film? I think it was, yes. And he's very good in it.
1: That film is phenomenal, oh, dude. Wow, yes, Five yep. Easy Pieces. That's, That's right. Phenomenal, he plays know. the male nurse.
2: I know. I know. Yeah,
0: I know. How to find that train with and uh, that was a breakthrough film in terms of of, of showing reality in films at, at that time. Well, what, as, what's what's the sandwich she asked for, guys? Oh, what, put it between her legs. What's yes, the chicken? chicken salad. chicken salad, salad but the I don't chicken. want all the chicken,
2: all the lettuce. <laughs> well, and here this is a bit ironic and very sad with John, as, as we know, he hated flying hated of course was in that horrible helicopter crash in the philippines
1: Had issues with it that's yeah. right
2: and i believe it was he and one other person were the only survivors i yep. think five people that's were right. killed oh my gosh. Right. yep and john got hepatitis in the hospital there yeah. and uh, that's right that, well, well uh, you know all the details yep. that's right look at uh, kirk
0: douglas had a an accident in the helicopter and now he's a hundred so you yeah. never know but so, it was
2: a poor john yep and uh that was right after we we worked together because he was going to do dick tracy and that got pushed back so he d- went uh, to the philippines to do uh, did
0: he did he get in dick tracy at all or uh no
2: he would he had already been injured and i believe he was uh,
0: dick although tracy he worked guy. he worked
2: again he jack nicholson he was in hoffa and a few other films before he passed away this is just gorgeous stuff and it's you know eric i think who, now, passed, seeing, away? who passed away when john when john died uh that was a number of years ago yeah it's it's about six years but we we look at those shots and it's it's mythical the way that uh, Hume uh, frames these with Andre it it really is well that's why you said it's uh, like Moby Dick it really just carries that weight with it and uh, you get into otherworldly territories because it is just something beyond our own regular experience which i think is why this movie works so well because it is beyond the norm it 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 goes a few steps into another area i think into the mythic and it's not just you know when robert aldrich
0: did uh, emperor of the north it wasn't as successful financially or any other way as this picture because i think it was just too brutal and too specific
2: of that uh, well, and also too, I think Emperor of the North unfortunately was hurt because it was set in the 1930s. So a period film would be a right. little harder. Right, uh, certainly uh, certainly at that time when the film came out, and um, but this just hits it hits chords because it hits some commonality of human experience uh, that everyone feels, just like that wonderful speech that John Voigt gave.
1: Not with that arm of yours.
2: And uh, it's 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 so interesting that a movie about prisoners and about this train and everything else has so many relatable components.
1: All right. Hey, sucker, line up. Ugh. <laughs> you are so brave. Yeah, hey. I know it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love
1: that. <laughs> you know, I uh, the reluctant hero. I like I like based this character on a, on a boy that I grew up with named Irwin White. He played yeah. the clarinet in my high school band, and is all boy, but he's really sweet and he's really kind of country. And he'd be like, yeah, sure, let's go do that. No, I don't want to rob that drugstore. He was like that where he would say <laughs> stuff that, what? But he was so sweet the way he'd say it that it was okay for him to say it. Like, yeah, I robbed that drugstore, but didn't rob that one because the owner's really mean. Blah, 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 blah. He was really funny and really likable. And uh, and uh, this is who I, who I made this character after. Well, His, his voice. His, uh, his, his, his vocal tone, his accent, everything was all based on that guy.
0: Well, since you got a verbal thing of what Andre wanted Rebecca to be, when you first started on this, did Andre tell you what your character was? What was his view of what you were supposed no, to be? No, when because I, when I met Andre, I said, let's,
1: uh, let's uh, cut to the chase here. This guy has written this and this and this and this. I don't want to play that. I want to play this and this and this and that. And he said, I can go with that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sounds very good. Very good. You're a very good actor. You do what you do. Yeah, and he uh, he allowed me to uh, to change it completely, and I did. I like I made him a country bumpkin as opposed to uh, to a tough convict. Did uh, you have to change your dialogue at all for that? Or uh, well, I had I had Eddie and uh, Eddie 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 gave me a lot of changes. You know, when I when I when I changed the accent of the guy that is not me that is a stuntman i was about to ask that question that is a stuntman that is not me
2: i love her reaction i can't watch this this is uh
0: don't give up on me, you quit
1: wow that was wa-
2: this is great and what's wonderful with what void's doing it's it's like everybody at the boxing match cheering you on
1: yeah come on you can do it kid yep you can do it kid you can do it kid little welterweight boxing champion you can do it kid
2: and here he goes (laughs) this is it and this is the real prison rules him in! and this is Voight's code
1: can't do it thinking i will tell
2: you you can do it. I can't do it, Manny. I can't do it. You don't know what you could do, what you can. And there we go. Now we we got so caught up in that brilliant moment and there not that just so great because it just shows Manny's attitudes really are the attitude of institutionalists.
1: Well, this this scene kind of makes me cry because it reminds me uh, my grandfather was very much like Manny. He was a very tough, big, uneducated guy, all the to third grade. Big, tough guy. He uh, he worked with horses, <laughs> and uh, he was like this. And so this was this was his kind of take on life. That if you if you can't do it, die. That was kind of his take on life. And uh, and uh, so this seemed this scene means a lot to me because of of. Of where it goes because it's so beautifully written i mean look look at look at these look at look at the uh, the the uh, the dichotomy between these
2: two men whoa wow her. <laughs> and here then the final explosion i love, is is because he uh he manhandles um, the young lady
1: you die, sucker. you die i'll kill you man don't make me kill you. I'll kill you. I kill you, man. Don't make me kill you. I kill you. Come on kill you. Man.
2: But there it is. But Eric, do you think that your character I mean, are you are you really prepared to kill him? Could you could you actually do it? Whereas Voight could kill you. And this boy that I played
1: can't kill anybody. Right, no. No, but John can kill anybody. Yes. He can kill anybody and I can't kill anybody. Yep. I can't kill anybody. Yeah. It's true. I'm just a child uh, in a in a in a crooked world.
0: But he recognizes something in you that may have been lost in him. That maybe he gets redeemed a bit in this, because you do remind him of something. There's something about you that that rekindles some humanity in him. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, that he's that's... not just a monster as they thought he was in the prison.
2: And well, that's the—I think that's you know part of the gr- the great point here is that uh, now he's actually out in the world where n- the prison rules don't always necessarily apply. That uh, he's got to find uh, his way in a uh, a different society than boy, he's used I, to.
1: What did I get a fat
0: lip in that little altercation, huh? What do you remember about this day of filming with 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 this choreographing this fight scene? Uh the end of this movie it took about a week to shoot. Uh
1: if you add it all up. I thought you my friend. I thought we were partners. And uh uh it's all like a one day to me in that uh it was very very tight emotionally. Mm-hmm. Very tight very uncomfortable
2: you was a hero
1: you was a hero to all of us back in that
2: shithole
1: god damn
2: oh man and the music in this piece Absolutely terrific score by Trevor Jones. Andre
1: killed in how he used it. He just killed. It's brilliant how it's used because it's monolithic, because what's happening is monolithic, but these moments are
0: small in a small space. Was this composer a friend of Andre's? Uh, I don't have an answer for that. So we were talking about, because, you know, we isolate the scores here at Twilight Time, so right. the score will have its own little, little showcase. It's
1: a it's a magnificent score. It sounds it sounds like a thoughtful Wagner as opposed yes. to an emotional Wagner. It's a, it's it's very thoughtful. It's wonderful, and the places
0: he used it and he used it softly for cues. Yes. Ah, yes. so good. Yes. And yeah. Well, I have to tell you, talking about your range in this, long after you did this, I thought one of the best performances along with this one is the one I used to call It's My Party the one oh, you do thank with Gregory you so Harrison much. Yes. I, I was so impressed with that Eric thank and you so I know much. that that was a hard film to make hey, and hey. your connection with Gregory in that because he just loves you he thinks that you know I mean, that was, a, that was a movie that's very hard. I, anything, if you lose anyone to HIV, it's hard to watch those kind of movies. And we all have. Yeah. We all have. But you really did a... You really, Thank you, you so you much. You hit it well, out of that, the park. That back. means so much to me because that was such
1: a precious project. And uh, Gregory Harrison and I and George Siegel were probably the only straight guys on that set. I bet you were. <laughs> so, when, so when we kissed, the, uh, the crew applauded. So then a, a, a Gregory says to me, well, I guess we did okay. There you go. Yes.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, it was
0: really nice. Well, you know, there's, uh, I was reading The New Yorker on this, and they started their review by saying this was macho camp. I don't think I don't think there's been another macho camp movie. And so from a man that went from, from fighting with John Boyd to kissing Gregory Harrison, you've gone full circle, Eric. Oh, thank yes. you, brother.
1: Full circle. Now this here, Francis, how they use the music here, it's not overwhelming, but it's powerful.
2: Well, oh, it's so complimentary, too, and it feels... The music feels cold in its way. I mean, it puts forth that... I think you get this chill to it because it's in the lower register, and it's not gigantic, and it it doesn't sound—it's not overwhelming.
0: Yeah. Well, if one wanted a religious metaphor here, all this stuff in the office could be the way heaven operates. You know, it's just God is sitting there with the board lit up trying to figure out if he's going to look at it or not. (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, well, uh, that's also, I think, part of the, the thing here is that you're—whether they were in the prison or the, whether they're here, there are going to be people who are just sitting back watching. Without
0: this junk. Without well, this is true any in our to, government, to, in, isn't it? Yes, that? to yes.
2: interfere, to step in. They can't stop the train. They can't stop Speaking the two of speaking
1: you. of uh, of uh, true in our government, have either of you seen Snowden? Not yet. Not yet. I, Not haven't yet yet. Either. I nope. want to see it. I can't wait to see. If, if uh, that, that new young star can hold his own, he will kill
0: absolutely what a part huh that's a great part and it's a part that's still un- unfolding yes that's
2: the thing Stone keeps having to change the ending he keeps <laughs> trying to you know catch up with he will uh,
0: never be able to leave russia guys no, no maybe he will not want to if the election goes a certain way oh I mean, no i might go to russia too it's not going that way no, i think he, anyway it's he not knows going
1: knows he's
2: going to be stuck there
1: now we're going to have a woman president guys i hope so and here we go. This here we is... go. The Dano Mall. Here we yes. go, guys. Yeah, boy, look at that shot. That was done in a helicopter, obviously. Wow, what a shot. And that's all, you know, fake train wreckage.
2: And just beautifully done. And, and again, this is all the same uh, forty miles of track, as you said, yep. just over and over again.
0: Over and over again. Well, you know, if you look at the way this is kind of, it's, he's, it's kind of like an iron elephant with tusks. It is. You know, it's, I mean, it's got, got a definitely vi- the visual. Yeah, the visual is definitely monolithic and uh, unstoppable and primal. And
2: this it's is got a primal. Very, and this moment that's coming up is so startling,
0: isn't it? Oh, and no. so brutal. But why is he doing this, I wonder? Because he's he's insane. insane. Yes, trying to uh, (laughs) to stop these guys. That's the only
1: thing. And also, it's such a great visual. I mean, how can we pass on it?
0: Come on, look at what this guy's doing. Yeah, yeah, he's not going to come out of this. But
2: here, this reverse is the only moment of blue sky in the movie. You're right, it is. I never thought of that, it's I guess the only you're right, blue look sky at that, we see, you're right. hope has arrived. That's right. Well, temporarily. Yeah, temporarily. Yes, temporarily, but yep, it's the only break he in the clouds, this through, the only, let's face it. yes, <laughs> the only blue. Well,
0: see? this was a white knuckle movie for audiences, let's face
2: it. Of course it was. And this, this is an, an amazing moment, and then this was the integration, look, oh man. Now, that was done at CBS in conjunction with, of course, this brilliant stunt sequence. (laughs) Oh, God. I love that.
1: John Boyd. The great John Boyd, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Oh, no one like him. Oh, God. He's magnificent. blood on the glass. And the great John Ryan. All these great actors. I love it. Just challenging John again. Yep. You didn't get me. You didn't get me. Right. Oh no, here we go. <laughs> yep. It's that that's, kind of movie, yep. guys. That's that's right. In that's the great really tradition of George
0: Kennedy and <laughs> airport, here's somebody that's <laughs> going to have to climb into a, a, uh, uh, a lot of testosterone in this sequence. Oh, wait, yep. it, this is macho camp, man. <laughs> <laughs> it, is,
2: it,
1: was, oh, <laughs> it really is, pal. <sighs> it really is macho camp. God. These son guys are incredible. These saying guys were, mon- were magnificent.
2: And you see this, this work going through the tunnel and then up over the mountain. And it's just, just incredible, this work. And again, wow. with, the, with the cold, and I, uh, you know, Eric, and you were, you were CGI, there. that's CGI found, that nope, is not that is, that is for real. That's, that's real back deal. when we used they to really them. do it.
1: Oh. Oh, which is why we lost a helicopter pilot. Yep. But that aside.
2: But of course, visually, doesn't it all look different from this time? Again, because it was real people in a real threat, real photography against a real environment. Not CGI, not the green screen, which is all wondrous and terrific, but it's different, and the feeling is different. And this... Yeah. Well, this, it's not
0: like a disaster movie. No, but no, this tightens
2: know. up your stomach. This tightens up your guts. Watching something that's just created on computer just doesn't do it.
1: God, I, look at this stuntman work! <laughs> I know. God, because that's a stunt guy doing that. Yep. The a guy hang off green screen and they put it over this. This is a stunt guy hanging under a helicopter doing this. In Alaska. In Alaska.
0: Courtney, was there anything like this in Breakheart Pass, even though that was a period film? It was set in the snow on a train, too.
2: The only big moment in Breakheart for something like this was the fight on top of the boxcar. I thought I, I remembered yes. that, yeah. Over the uh, trestle. What happened? What happened? They gave up on us. They switched us off the main track onto a dead end. What does that mean?
1: We're gonna crash any minute.
2: We're gonna crash. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love your little reaction there. It's like, oh, <laughs> that's really is. This really is it. Oh, well, he's not a rocket scientist, no.
1: and that, 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 that took some dwelling.
2: <laughs> he had to figure that out, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I guess this really is it. Hold me. I don't
1: want to die alone. <sighs> We're going to be all right. Yeah. We're going to be fine. <laughs> We're to die alone.
0: Come on, um, you, you, you ass. John, you ass. <laughs> well, he's not a sentimental guy in this, that's for sure. That's that's nothing you'd ever call Manny.
1: I'm my will never stop it.
2: But this is his cause. He's never gonna stop this fight. It's all up here. The challenge between him and the well, warden. Well, this is as close as Ahab as he's going to get, I think. Yep. Ah, yeah. Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. we go, John. But that's the that's the big question: Who is Ahab here? Is it Manny or is it the warden, or is it the train? Because they're both they're both <laughs> obsessed. <laughs> yes,
1: they're obsessed nah. with each other. It's Manny. Here he goes. Look, 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 go. look, look at the symbolism The moment here, we've when, been waiting
0: for. When this he is... holds his hands up. Yep. Well, this is a boxing match, unlike the one you fought
2: in the prison. This is life and death. You see, what's wonderful there about that that great shot is Voight, he does, he, he vanishes for that moment and for you and Rebecca DeMornay, he's gone. Yeah. Did he die as he, you know, and you guys are just waiting for your own collision And then the moment that he saves you and sacrifices himself.
1: Wow. Look Look at at that that shot. That is is fantastic.
2: Absolutely incredible. Fantastic. Uh, And that was done by Max Clevin and crew. Yeah, it was.
0: Oh my God! I, you know when we screened this at Canon and they screened it like three or four times. This was a scene that really got an audience. This was very brutal. It right is brutal. It's, it's brutal, brutal. brutal to watch. Yes. I mean, John axe's butt off, but it's also,
1: I mean, visually Alan Hume just kills us. Look at
2: this. And you feel the cold. You feel that that the ice on the metal and the, and the coldness of the steel and. Oh wow,
1: saying take me down, take me down. Yep. Wow, wow, wow. What a scene, huh guys? It's really amazing. John Voigt being brilliant.
2: Wow. Look at that guy. And of course, this now brilliantly back to- yes, putting it across, and here we are at CBS.
1: And now he falls in 85 degree weather in yep. Southern California.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we don't know that. But we don't know that. We don't know that.
2: And here we go the moment. The Battle of the Titans.
1: <sighs> Waiting for you.
2: Oh, here's the, uh, What month were you guys in Alaska? Uh, it was March. It was March. Okay. Which is
1: why, you know, Montana thawed. It was early thaw that year. It almost always thaws April. Thawed in March. No, now that I'm saying that, it was February. It was February. Early thaw for Montana that year. Alive. It's Jonah
0: alive. You attended one of the Canon screenings for this when it the first month it opened. You ever, oh, many of them. Many did, of them. How 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 was the reaction? Was it pretty much the same kind of white knuckles with everybody? Everybody was floored by this movie, and they went nuts.
1: They screamed and yelled when the when the, when the credits rolled, and they, oh my god! And all this
2: stuff went down. You know, the the audience would scream. Yeah. Because it was not just the reaction to the movie itself, which, of course, the movie is terrific, but the fact that you guys had made it for this company. And they're like, oh, my God, we're seeing this. We're not seeing, you know, Electric Boogaloo well, 5. Well,
0: exactly. And Menachem spent a fortune letting people know that he had Oscar. Yes. You know, and this this was a great, I remember what it was like in the canon offices because I would go in there, I was reading scripts there at the time. And uh, we were all told, stop what you're doing. We're gonna focus on Runaway Train now. And that's everybody. The only thing I
1: regret about my, my relationship with Menachem Golan is this. He got my Cadden Ward nomination certificate and he hung it in his office. I don't have it because it's in his office on his wall. Well, That's I wonder all, where it
0: is now. It's probably in his office, wherever his office is well, in the he's world. He's dead, so it's probably in oh, Tel Aviv. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's an, it's, it's, it, 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 it it's in been. a trunk somewhere. I'll try and get it for you. Thank you.
2: Get it back for you. And there it goes. There we have it.
1: You're going to push that button and stop this train!
2: And of course, no. And what, what is so wonderful here is... You'll die, bastard! Voight doesn't kill John Ryan. He takes him prisoner.
1: Fuck you! You're as afraid to die as anybody else. And I never let you free. You hear me? I am free, Frank. Yep. I am free. And
2: you're it's the 81. prisoner.
1: I know how to die, too. Win, lose, what's the difference? What about that punk and the girl?
2: And also, isn't it wonderful, the visual, because of course they really are the same, different sides of the same coin, but that John wears a mustache Mm. like John Voight does. So they really, they could almost be brothers. They look so
1: much alike. And here comes John's last heroic act of his life. Yep. And this brilliant, brilliant shot. Now that was shot in Alaska and that's John. And the train's going about about 40 miles an hour. Boy, you can and feel that wind. John's doing that. Now, John is all roped off that you can't see, so he's not going anywhere.
0: And with only one good hand, really. Yep.
2: And and there course, we have it. There it goes.
0: Redemption comes at a price. That's right. Teaching comes at a price.
2: Eric, teaching you the last lesson.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep.
2: Now watch this symbol.
1: Here we go for the last symbol of John. Here we go. What a pretty face that girl has.
2: There it is. That's there we
1: have it. Just incredible. Incredible.
2: Oh, wonderful. Now, Eric, had you seen that footage is. when you did your shots? No, of course not. No. Yeah. Well, I, I did have to ask because the reaction is so now, tremendous. Now, do, do you know
1: how they did that shot? They have a rod that goes up from a train, up his pants leg, up his back. That, that, uh, that, uh, that, that stunt guy is being held onto there by a strap to a rod. Wow. And they're going 40 miles an hour, and he's standing on a train. In the snow. In the snow. But that is not a dummy. That's a man. There's Eddie and Bunker. there's Eddie Bunker smiling like he knows good old Letty.
0: wow and the celestial choir helps a bit too yes the music is beautiful doesn't it? doesn't it
1: the way he used it that's what i mean it's incredible
0: and there it is. No beast so fierce, but
1: know some touch of pity. But I know none, and therefore am no beast.
0: Richard III. Wow. Well, gentlemen, I would like to say on behalf of Twilight Time, this is David DelVal. It has been my privilege to sit with Eric Roberts and Courtney Joyner as we've watched this uh, rather amazing train film, maybe Moby Diesel, we don't know, <laughs> but
1: <laughs> I love
0: doing these kind of things with someone that's actually in the film. It is such a treat and eric you're a wonderful
2: actor and you're a real sport to do this eric thank you so much this was just terrific you guys are lovely